We're going to uh, continue in the uh, teaching series we've been doing down here at the waterfront. We've been calling You Have Heard It Said. And this is a play on Jesus' words from his Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, where he's speaking to a crowd of people, and he's kind of confronting them with the way that the the religious practices that they have been following and the way that they had been worshiping God and living their lives was actually out of line with the kingdom of God. And so he said, you have heard it said, for example, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He confronted them with, here is how your faith and practice is actually out of line with the kingdom. I am bringing this news to you. The way we've been tackling this at the waterfront is we have been working through these various topics and assumptions that that many people make about the Christian faith that I would argue are are not true or or just need us to have a conversation about them. Because there's much that people assume or have heard about what it means to follow Jesus or to be a Christian that I would argue is not really an accurate picture of what Jesus is calling us to do. So for example, our first week we talked about the assumption that Christianity is anti-science. And sometimes we feel like we have to either choose one or the other, to either take seriously the scientific method and that, that perspective of the world or the Bible. That we can't kind of hold the two together. But what if all truth is God's truth? And that as we dive in through the scientific method to explore God's creation, it's going to point us to its creator. We spoke our second week about this idea that Christianity is a white man's religion. And and, and we confronted it with the reality that Christianity is in fact a global movement. And, And the picture we have of God's goal is people from all tribes, tongues, nations, cultures gathering around his throne and worshiping him despite the fact that Christianity has been used as a tool of oppression throughout history. Last week, We talked very bluntly about the fact that Christians seem to be against everything. And in fact, sometimes we make a higher hurdle for people to have to jump through to follow Jesus than Jesus actually places there. This week, we're going to talk about this thing that I have heard many, many times. I don't know about you, but this idea that Christians are hypocrites. Out of all of these topics that we're talking about, this is the one that I have heard most often. This is probably the one that maybe I have experienced most often. I've heard plenty of people say, well, I don't go to church because, well, the people there are hypocrites. I have a hard time believing in your God because you say one thing, but you're acting another. Or I look at the history of the world and I see people who proclaimed to follow Jesus who acted in this way. Christians are hypocrites. Let's start with a a bit of a definition, all right? What is hypocrisy? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, which I think is just the one that comes up when you Google a word, It says, hypocrisy is claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's behavior does not conform. 
See, there is a kind of life that Jesus calls us to, to to follow him, to pick up our cross, to walk in his way. Kind of like what we talked about last week, despite the ways that Christians have made a, a big uh, a big deal of the do's and don'ts and have piled up more and more and more, there are some things that Jesus says, no, stay away from. Or do this, but don't do that. And Christians have been notorious for holding firmly, do this, don't do that, but we'll be the last ones to do it. We say we know what we should do, but we don't do it. So I'm going to concede this morning that yes, Christians are hypocrites. We're going to start there. That is our, our base assumption. Christians are hypocrites. But I'm going to argue this morning that I think hypocrisy is more than a Christian problem. I think hypocrisy is a human problem. I would argue that part of what it means to be a human being in the state that we're in is to be a bit of a hypocrite. All of us have a picture of ourselves that we put forward and that we portray that doesn't line up to the reality of who we actually are. We all have the person we want to be and the person we want people to see us to be But in fact, if we're honest with ourselves, that's not us. This has just been amplified. It's not a new thing, but it's been amplified in our our world of social media. Where, man, I will post the kind of perfect Instagram picture of my life. Like, I I could take a picture of like, I'm a good Christian. I'm going to have a picture of my Bible and my notepad and my coffee in the morning. And like... align it perfectly, take a picture, post on social media so everybody thinks that I'm very spiritual. We use filters to make our faces look the way we want them to look. Starting with Snapchat and now in probably every other social media platform you can find, you can alter your face or you can smudge away whatever blemishes we don't like about our skin and we can make our profile pictures kind of the ideal picture of ourselves or we can slap a frame on there of here's the cause i'm supporting right now because i clicked it on my profile picture we can put stories on social media of this is my perfect life that i have all together this is how well behaved my kids are this is the advice that i can give you on social media because i am an expert in this area we can shout loudly about the things we don't like about others. But when we're behind closed doors, when the camera is off, when we're disconnected from the Wi-Fi, when no one is reading the post, we're a different person. It's not just social media. We see this in activism. We we see it in in, uh, public figures claiming the moral high ground that they're on the right side of history when behind the scenes things are atrocious. We see it in the cancel culture of I will annihilate you and any platform that you have because of what you said when I've probably said something just as bad, I just haven't been caught with it. It's easy to talk about politics. The campaign politician versus the sitting in government politician. Or the way they answer the media versus what's actually being done. 
or having a good face and holding a good office when we hear stories of how toxic the work environment is. See, this issue of hypocrisy, it is a right-wing and left-wing thing. It's a male and female thing. It's a religious or non-religious thing. Our human nature is hypocritical. Show me someone who's not hypocritical and I'll bet you you're showing me Jesus. And hypocrisy among Christians is just another visible expression of this playing out, this reality of the human heart. Now, I want you to hear me this morning and, and know that I'm not downplaying hypocrisy. I'm not just trying to like dismiss Christians and let them off the hook and say, oh, well, everyone's a hypocrite, so it's not as bad when Christians are hypocrites. Let me point you to some of the words that Jesus has about hypocritical religious people of his day. If you read Matthew chapter 23, it's scathing. Here's just a a sample. Jesus says this, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, they're the official interpreters of the law of Moses, so practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Or in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that all the reward that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled and people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward that they will get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, And no one will know that you're fasting except your Father who sees what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. See, for Jesus, a lot of the hypocrisy that he was talking about was settling for the the temporary admiration of people or having a sense of superiority over people when God actually knows what's going on in your heart. For Jesus, it's about, to use his words, storing up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. For him, it was about a religion that doesn't get you closer to God, but makes you look nice and religious in other people's eyes. But I want to ask us a question this morning. What if our hypocrisy is actually a longing? What if our hypocrisy that each one of us has to some degree or another within us is actually a repressed uneasiness with who we actually are when we're honest with ourselves? What if it is this sense of discord and distaste for what is inside of us when we're honest with ourselves? And so we would rather be the ideal. We would rather pretend we have it all together because we don't want to face the reality of our brokenness. 
This is what I hate about me. So I'll pretend to have it all together. I don't want to be the person I am. I don't want to do the things that I do. I don't want to hurt the people that I've hurt. What if we've created a way with coping with the fact that we're broken people who don't fit our own ideal or the ideals of others that we want ourselves to be? So we settle with faking it. We use the Snapchat filter. We act outwardly religious. We claim to be the activist. We make false promises. I know that's there in me. Is it there in you? It was there in the Apostle Paul. As he was writing the letter to the Romans, he has this section in it where you can just see the wrestling he's having in his heart. He has this whole section where he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but that's what I end up doing. He has this whole section wrestling through this, which culminates to a place where he says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? And his answer, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's answer to his own hypocrisy and wrestling with his own behavior was Jesus. And we see this even in Jesus' own words on this issue. While he's talking to the Pharisees and his kind of scathing rebuke to them, this is what he says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you're so careful to wash the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First, Jesus says, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. See, the hope that we actually have in Jesus is what frees us from living in hypocrisy. Jesus is the answer that frees us from having to put the face, the the false face forward. From having to compare ourselves to the ideal. And this is what Jesus invites us into in terms of freeing us from hypocrisy. He invites us to honesty. He invites us to a real honesty of exposing our hearts before God. Because He already knows what's there. Jesus, when he says, don't don't bother being all all public and showy and how you go about your religious doings, close the door. God knows your heart. He'll reward you for it. But do you know we can be honest with God with the dark things in our heart too? That we don't have to put on a face for God in the way that we feel like we have to for other people? That he can deal with the honest raw brokenness of our hearts. Jesus invites us to be honest before God. He also invites us to be honest with other people. This is the hard one. I don't have to pretend like I have it all together because I know you don't have it all together either. And you know what? When we actually just all acknowledge that, it's a little bit freeing. 
when I don't have to pretend like you're the, the perfect religious person, I don't have to pretend like I'm the perfect religious person. When I know that in your heart you have sin as well, then I feel free to admit it myself. Listen, give me a Christian who's willing to be honest and say that I'm, I'm angry all the time and I know that I'm at odds with the way of Jesus. Or or give me a Christian who's willing to be honest and say, I'm struggling with porn and I know that Jesus is what I need to overcome it. Give me a Christian who's willing to say that I have made my career my God and Jesus has taken the back seat. Give me someone who's actually willing to be honest about their struggle with sin and their need for Jesus and I'll show you the kingdom of God is near. Our honesty is the place where Jesus shows up and transforms and forgives and frees us from having to pretend we have it all together. You know how refreshing that kind of honesty is? The weight that that takes off. We don't have to to carry it on ourselves anymore carry the image, carrying the the keeping up of appearances? Are you tired? Are you tired of pretending you have it all together? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Get away with Jesus and you'll recover your life. He'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with Him and work with Him and watch how He does it. Learn the unforced rhythms of His grace. He won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with Him and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. See, we don't have a God who stands far away from our brokenness. And we have to have it all together in order to become close to Him. In fact, we have a God who who entered into our brokenness with us. We have a God who put on flesh and bone and came and lived in the midst of our broken humanity and died on the cross to, to take on and have die with Him the consequences and the worst parts of our sinfulness, our brokenness. It died with Him on the cross so that our forgiveness And our cleansing and our freedom is possible. We believe that Jesus rose from the grave three days later, showing that even death, even death can't keep what God wants to do in freeing us from our sin from happening. The gospel of Jesus is the antidote to hypocrisy. It is the invitation to take off the mask and to speak honestly, to embrace the grace of Christ. Because of the gospel, we have the freedom to not have to build ourselves on what others think of us. An invitation to follow a life of learning and growing with Jesus where the real transformation happens. Listen, if you call Cornerstone home, 
how are we doing with this? How can we become a church community that makes honesty rather than hypocrisy the norm? How can we become a place where it's easier to take off the mask and be honest than feel like I have to put one on when I come through the door or check in at an outdoor service? Let me suggest that honesty requires a a courageous first step. Are you willing to be the one who takes the first courageous step of honesty? To say, I'm broken, you don't have to pretend to have it all together around me? That, that I'm actually just trying to follow Jesus just like you, and I don't have it all together? Might I suggest that rather than when someone says, how are you doing, instead of the quick stock answer of, oh good, or oh busy, to actually have the courage to say, actually, could you pray for me about this? This is something I'm working through and I need help with. And then as the person hearing that, to be able to say, yeah, I'll pray with you. And pray with them right then and there instead of like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you never actually end up praying for them. I know how it goes. I've been around church long enough. Cornerstone, if we can't be a place, a community where this honesty can take place, I think we're missing the gospel. And you and your willingness to be honest helps shape this culture. So I'll go first. I'll be honest. I am way too caught up with how many people show up on a Sunday. I find so much of my identity and worth with how good I think you think I'm doing. I could get so sucked into trying to preach the best sermon or or to organize and to help lead a church in a way where I can get so wrapped up in it that I could be emotionally uninvolved with my family. I'm the kind of personality where if you want it done right, do it yourself, and I will try to do everything myself and in the process, short-circuit the healthy, all the body is involved in ministry of what makes a healthy church. I'm broken. And part of my brokenness gets played out in this community. I'll be honest with it. Will you be honest with me too? Will you... Will you be honest with me too? Listen, I need people around me who remind me and are the voice to say that Jesus is where I find my identity and my hope and my value, not in how well I perform or preach or lead. That my identity is not wrapped up in my job. I need to be reminded of that. I need a community where those voices are prominent, where I am a child of God adopted by the King whose sin is forgiven, who's made new. Because I don't know about you, I can get lost in the dark spiral of my mind. Are you willing to be honest? 
Are you willing to say, I need to hear that truth too from someone who hears my story? Are you willing to say, let's not settle for the cheap religious veneer when deep heart change is actually available? When it can actually happen because of Jesus? Are you willing to not just come and we'll play church when we had a Savior who died on the cross to clean the inside of the cup, not just the outside? Let's live in honesty, not hypocrisy. Because we have a Savior who welcomes the broken and makes us new. Let's pray. Jesus, you're our hope. You're my hope. You're the only way I'm going to get out of my head and out of my brokenness and out of my world that revolves around me. Jesus, would we find in you the hope and the freedom to not have to hide behind our masks and our really churchy religious language and garb? Would we be honest with you, with each other? And in that honesty, would we be a community that welcomes people in who don't have it all together? Because we don't, and you know it. Help us, Jesus, to be a church that is not known primarily as a group of hypocrites but maybe more so a group of hypocrites who are finding their honesty and freedom in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.